morning. Oh. Well, I'd like to introduce myself because the last time that I was up here, I forgot to do that. So some of you are probably like, who is this guy up here? My name is Louis Washleski. I am the pastoral intern at Restoration. Um, I don't know about you, but the past uh, nine days have they've been a whirlwind. Uh, turning my last paper Friday the 22nd for seminary, was able to graduate, able to walk, um, and had a, a baby due during that time, so it was a little stressful. Um, this uh, past early Friday, we actually um, were able to welcome in uh, another member of our family. Uh, that is Sophia um, Eleanor. And there's my wonderful wife. Uh, just so proud of her. Just in so many ways. And... Um, So they are like one thing that seminary needs to do is actually put their spouse's name underneath um, the graduate because there's no way that I would be able to do that um, without her. So with a with a little one and a, a toddler, um, sleep uh, is. <laughs> we used to be good friends, but right now we're not on speaking terms. So. <laughs> Um, and it kind of reminds me of when my son Zach was born. We, he wouldn't, he had trouble sleeping. So uh, first couple of nights, I kind of just held him while my wife could sleep. And what I I would used to do is I'd I'd watch movies. So I'd watch different genres. That, but one of the things I always came back to was Disney movies. You know the the early ninety ones, the really good ones like Aladdin, Lion King, Little Mermaid. But the best. Beauty and the Beast, come on, yeah, Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> what I liked about Beauty and the Beast um, had great songs, characters are fun, there's tension, and um, kind of going along with the story, um, you have Belle, she's the main character, really smart, loves to read, her father's an inventor, and um, she kind of, she's kind of odd for the other people, and um, Kind of going along with the story is her inventor father goes off to this inventor's fair and he gets lost and he stumbles across a, a castle, um, an enchanted castle, if you will. So he ends up um, basically getting the owner really mad. So he ends up in like this, I guess you would call it a jail or a jail cell and uh his daughter, Belle, kind of has to find out where is he because the horse that he was um, riding with came back, so that was a cause of concern for her. So she goes after her father, finds the enchanted castle. Um, it's enchanted because every all the regular objects are movable, and they're like, there's a candlestick that can talk, there's a little clock that can talk, and they have fun little characters, and they've probably been um, rehearsing lots of songs for when a guest actually stumbled across, because when you see that on the movie, you're just like, whoa, they must have been doing this for a long time. <laughs> so when she makes it there, um, 
she kind of gets welcomed in, and then she wants to see her father. So she gets up there, talks to her, sees her father, and um, finds out that he's in prison or in jail. And he or she asks to take her father's place. And um, the owner, the beast, says, that's all right. Um, But he doesn't put her in a jail. He lets her kind of freely roam across this enchanted castle. He says, everything is open except the West Wing, which is forbidden. For Belle, she's like, well, what's there? He just, he doesn't want her to go there. And as you think about that, um, it was kind of impossible for the beast to let Belle go into this West Wing. Because part of the West Wing was it showed who the beast really was. It showed um, he had some, like a flower that represented his life that was wilting, and he had this mirror that could see anywhere, basically. And kind of going along um, with that story, it, it, for him it, it seemed impossible for her to know him truly. So kind of going along with that, um, in Acts 10, in our Unstoppable series, we see that Peter, um, if you want to open up your Bibles to chapter 10 in Acts, I need to get a smaller Bible. This thing's heavy. Oh. You see that in Caesarea, there lived a Roman officer named Cornelius. He's a captain of Italian regiment. He was the devout, God-fearing man. He was everyone in his house, and as was everyone in his household. He gave generously to the poor, prayed regularly to God. One afternoon, about three o'clock, he had a vision in which God saw an angel coming toward him. Cornelius, the angel said. Cornelius stared at him in terror. What is it, sir? He asked the angel. The angel replied, Your prayers and gifts to the poor have been received by God as an offering. Now send men to Jaffa and summon a man named Simon Peter. He is staying with Simon, a tanner who lives near the seashore. As soon as the angel was gone, Cornelius called two of his household servants and a devout soldier, one of his personal attendants. He told them what had happened. He sent them off to Jaffa. The next day, as Cornelius' messengers were nearing the town, Peter went up to the flat roof to pray. It was noon, and he was hungry. But while a meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw the sky open. Something like a large sheet went down by all four corners. In the sheet was all sorts of animals, reptiles, and birds. Then a voice said to him, Get up, Peter. Eat, kill, and eat. No, Lord, Peter declared. I have never eaten anything that our Jewish laws have declared impure or unclean. The voice spoke again. Do not call something unclean if God has made it clean. The same vision was repeated three times. Then the sheet was suddenly pulled away up to heaven. Peter was very perplexed. What, would, what could the vision mean? 
So if, if you're growing up like Peter, you're, you're in a Jewish household and you, go, you follow these laws. And these laws of eating food is, um, we would call it kosher right now. It's, you don't eat pigs, you don't eat um, certain um, seafood, certain birds. But in this vision, you see that um, God is saying that's okay. And Peter's really confused by this. Something that he's he's lived with for his whole life, and he's why is this? This isn't possible. This is impossible to me. I don't see this as something. I don't understand God. Peter must have thought um, all these things that he just saw, um, which were kind of part of the Levitical laws in um, chapter 11 in Leviticus, um, that he shouldn't eat. So how does Peter respond to this? Kind of with my own life, I had something that I didn't see as a possibility. I became a Christian in college and kind of through a, a parachurch organization, I just felt like God was calling me to be a missionary to college students. So this was something that I had set up. I wanted to do that. I planned for it. Um, when I met Kate, I, I told her about kind of my vision where I thought God was directing us. And we both decided that this was something that we were going to do. We were going to be missionaries for life. We had everything planned out. We had where what mission and organization we were going to be with, how long we were going to do that, um, kind of the timeline of when we were going to have kids and kind of going through that. And uh, so we graduated college, and through that we started raising our support. And it took us about a year, and just nothing was coming in. We We felt like God was calling us to do this, and we felt... Like, this was impossible. Like, God, we want to be missionaries for you. But for me, it, it wasn't something that uh, I wanted to, um, to focus on. It was uh, my identity was on being a missionary. It wasn't on being a child of God, being a Christ follower. It, this, was, this was my life. I wanted to be this missionary. And um, but what we didn't realize was God was directing us in a different way. So something that we saw as our whole life be taken away, something that we thought would be impossible, God was making something clear for us, something that um, we wouldn't be able to, um, to to do. We. We met newer friends. We ended up staying in this area. We started to um, join a little church plant that reached out to people in Apple Valley, and um, I'm standing in that church right now. And uh, just seeing God work through our lives of reaching out, going to seminary, being part of this church, seeing people come to know Jesus. was something that God made possible. So as we kind of 
go from there back to Peter, kind of, why God? Why, why am I doing this? Um, in verse 17, Peter was uh, very perplexed. What could this vision mean? Then the men sent by Cornelius found Simon's house. Standing outside the gate, they asked if the man named Simon Peter was staying there. Meanwhile, while Peter was puzzling over the vision, the Holy Spirit said to him, Three men have come looking for you. Get up, go downstairs, and go with them without hesitation. Don't worry, I have sent them. So Peter went down and said, I am the man you're looking for. Why have you come? They said, We were sent by Cornelius, a Roman officer. He's a devout and God-fearing man, with respect, respected by all Jews. The holy angel instructed him, to summon you to his house so that he could hear your message. So Peter invited the men to stay for the night, and the next day they went up with him, accompanied by some of the brothers from Joppa. They arrived at Caesarea the following day. Cornelius was waiting for them and had called together his relatives and close friends. So as Cornelius was expecting this to happen from his vision of God, He invites all his family members. He, you see this, um, there's like, it's almost like a crowd in his house. As Peter entered his home, Cornelius fell to his feet and worshipped him. But Peter pulled him up and said, stand up, I'm a human being, just like you. So they talked together and went inside. There were many others were assembled, where many others were assembled. Peter told him, you know it is against our laws of a Jewish man to enter a Gentile home like this or to associate with you. But God has shown me that I should no longer think of anyone as impure or unclean. So kind of going back to Peter's original vision of this food that he didn't understand, you see that God was opening this up to not only the Jewish people but also the Gentile um, nations surrounding him. He was telling Peter not only preach the good word to the Jews, but also the Gentiles, to reach out to them. So taking something that Peter felt in his heart as a Jewish man and breaking that open, taking that away, opening the kingdom up to other people. So in verse 29, So I came without objection as soon as I was sent now. Now tell me why you sent for me. Cornelius replied, Four days ago I was praying in my house in the same time, three o'clock in the afternoon. Suddenly a man in dazzling clothes was standing in front of me. He told me, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard. Your gifts to the poor have been noticed by God. Now send messengers to Joppa, summon a man named Simon Peter, he is staying in the home of Simon, a tanner who lives near the seashore. I sent for you at once, and it, it was good for you to come. Now we, all are, we are all here waiting before God to hear the message the Lord has given you. Then Peter replied, I see very clearly God shows no favoritism. 
In every nation, he accepts those who fear him and do what is right. So we see that Peter states that God shows no favoritism. It is, um, in the Greek, it's translated um, showing partiality. So God shows no partiality. It shows that God is open to all. All who are welcome to follow Jesus Christ. A couple weeks ago, Paul talked, or not Paul, Rob, talked about the eunuch in Ethiopia who is welcome into the kingdom of God. We see a Jewish leader who is intending to take out all the Christ followers and destroy what they believe in. And he was met with a vision. He made a complete 180 from where he was. He did the exact opposite of what he was trying to do. Some call him Saul. Most of us know him by Paul. So think about something that might seem impossible for you. Some reaching out to someone that you couldn't imagine becoming a Christian. Someone you couldn't ever see that happen. I want you to spend the next week praying for that person. God will give you a chance to reach out to that person. It's not, it's not your power that's going to persuade them. It's going to be the Holy Spirit working through them. You're going to have this chance of seeing this person hear the good word. God will work in their lives. So just like God is working in our lives and in their lives, you kind of see in Beauty and the Beast, you see Belle work in the Beast's life. You see her change his grumpy demeanor into someone who's lovable, someone who is this combination of a bear, pig, and lion become friendly like a lamb. Because she was able to get in this, um, this west wing of his, break down these barriers, it took away this, um, this curse that the beast had. He was open to that. He, um, eventually, the curse was broken because of Bell's investment in him because Bell broke past this impossibility. So as we um, reflect on this and pray, um, Lord, I just want to thank you for a chance for us to, to do the impossible, to reach out to those that we feel wouldn't take your message, Lord. I pray that you would open their hearts, open our hearts to reach out to these people. Lord, we thank you for a time to do that, a time to reflect on that, and we trust that your Holy Spirit will move through this church and bless these other people, and we look forward to that, Lord. We thank you in that. Amen.